Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. A woman is unstoppable after she realizes she deserves better. We opened our very first episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle with this quote when we hosted Emma Johnson. And now that she's back, we wanted to feature it again. We think after you hear our conversation with Emma, you'll understand why. There's not enough positive conversation about divorced women and single moms, and a lot of the conversation isn't uplifting or productive. Worthy's approach is to talk about this stage of your life as a moment where you can embrace a fresh start and build the life you've always wanted for yourself. We really think Emma Johnson is one of the best people out there helping give women like you tools to build that life and to really make it happen. You might know her from her website, Wealthy Single Mommy, or from her first book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, which is all about your love life, parenting, and getting your career where you want it after divorce. On this episode, we chat with Emma about her new book. It's called 30-Day Kick-Ass Single Mom Money Makeover. We are so excited to talk about the book and to bring you pointers from the original Kick-Ass Single Mom herself. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so join our Facebook group, Worthy Women and Divorce, to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com slash podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Emma. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more. Sometimes we know that we're giving you so many inspirational quotes and we've always got your back and you might start to feel like who's going to hold me accountable. And that's why we're so excited to have Emma Johnson back on the podcast because we like to call her a hot pink pillar of tough love. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes you need that friend who's going to hold your feet to the fire and make sure that you're really doing your best. And that is who Emma Johnson is. And if you need that voice in your life, Emma's your new best friend. So welcome back to the podcast, Emma. Thank you so much, Audrey. I am so excited you're here because I'm such a big fan of yours, and you actually were our first guest on the podcast, and it's so exciting to have you back. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with you yet, can you give just a brief introduction of who you are and what you do? Sure. I have a a large platform for professional single moms, and it really starts at WealthySingleMommy.com. I also have a podcast called Like a Mother, and now I am the author of two books, all for single moms. Uh, The first one, Worthy, helped me celebrate last year. I was out with Penguin. It was the kick-ass single mom, and I'm very excited. Just as I'm speaking with you, Audrey, I'm pushing out my second book, which is the 30-day kick-ass single mom money makeover. So it's a quick and dirty 30-day challenge, step-by-step, all the things that single moms tend to need help with with their, their money. 
So at Worthy, we were all reading the book. We were so excited about this because the Kick-Ass Single Mom book was such a big deal for us. And, you know, we still all have our bookmarks from the event that we had. And this was the event that was featured in the New York Times, if anybody's familiar with that. Our partnership with Emma is like so precious to us. And this book is so great. This is exactly what I meant when I said the friend who's going to hold your feet to the fire. This is like a totally doable, totally digestible guide that can really help you take a big step forward in your life with finance. And what I really love about it is that it's like super catered to this audience. And I just love the way that you talk about stuff. And actually, most of this episode, we're going to be talking about the book. So you had written a lot about finance in the past, right? Yeah. my uh, Well, my background is as a business journalist, but mm-hmm. I think it goes back even further. Um, just I've always had a real interest in money and not so much the nuts and bolts of investing, but rather the kind of the culture and the psychology of money. Why are some people really good with money? Why are some people not? Why do some people think it's okay to buy a Lexus while they're on public assistance? Why is it that highly educated people go bankrupt? You know, sort of the internal Mm -hmm. things that go on with money and relationships around money. So that's where really a lot of my passion is. And when I really started focusing on the single mom community, and I mean, I have a huge audience now and I interact very intimately with these women and hundred percent, hands down, the number one challenge that single moms face is around money. Right. And this is my personal story for me too, because I was raised by a single mom, a professional white educated woman, and we were always broke. And, you know, the story was always like, oh, well, I'm a single mom, so we're broke. Mm-hmm. And then here we go, fast forward 40 years, 35, 40 years, and we have so many more opportunities, Audrey, you and me today, compared to our moms and our grandmothers, right. wherever you live in the world. And it's such an exciting time for women. Yes, we have a lot of work to do in terms of gender equality, but I feel like I can do anything I want in this world. So <laughs> why are women still telling themselves that they have to be broke because they're a single mom, mm-hmm. right? And I get it. The message is out there. It's like, I was just talking about this with some moms in my my Facebook group, which I'll plug it. It's uh, <laughs> the Millionaire Single Moms group. And lots of cool stuff happens in there. And these, we were talking about this, um, somebody called it auto-pity, A-U-T-O, oh, automatic Oh, I love that. And it's like, oh, you're a single mom. I don't know how you do it so hard. I'm like, well, <laughs> is, is it hard for you? You look like a like a married man to me. So why are you telling me? Yeah. What it's like to or like they were saying about how their church was raising money for for the holidays for the people living in poverty and single moms. Oh. <laughs> like, well, why am I automatically in the charity pile? Right. Right. So the world is telling you all of these things and the media is not much help. Mm-hmm. So it's really about, you know, we're not ignoring that. The statistics are out there about uh, poverty and, and unmarried parents. But the world is changing very, very quickly in terms of family structure, in terms of work and education opportunity. So let's focus on what we can control. I cannot change generational poverty in the United States, Mm -hmm. but what I can do is change my mindset and stop focusing on what I can't do and focus on what I can. So that's a big part of my message. Um, And and it comes to money and money affects everything. If you're stressed out about money, you're going to yell at your kids more. If you're stressed out about money, you're going to, you know, date some douchey guy that your hope is going to pay your rent. When you have your own money, you're an autonomous, empowered adult woman making really great decisions as a parent, as a citizen, as a lover. And it's just better. Have your own money. It's better. 
So that's one of the things that I love the most about the way that you talk about this stuff is you you really come at it from the 360 and especially in your first book. I mean, it was about relationships, career and money and parenting and like you really you get the whole picture when you you read Emma's point of view and it's so special. And I don't think you you said it so explicitly in the book, but you just mentioned it and it really stood out to me that you have a very keen awareness of the emotional relationship that we have with money. And one of the things that you write in the intro to the book is that the biggest obstacles that women are facing when they're creating the success and the wealth that they dream of are the bad daily habits and their mindsets. So I want you to tell us a little bit about how you know this to be true from your own experiences, from your childhood, from your own experience as a single mom, and from your community. And then let's talk about how the book is going to help our listeners and our audience tackle that challenge. So the small daily practices, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is a very female thing because whether you're self-employed or you are an employee at a corporation, whatever, it's, you know, people have a pretty good idea thinking about their work in terms of money. So Mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, if you have your own business, it doesn't make sense to be like doing the mailers when you should be really hiring somebody to do that low level work. And then you do the higher concept stuff. Or if you're at a company, your boss probably wants to know how you spend your hours. So they know they're getting the most out of you. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a pretty good concept of exchanging hours for dollars in the workplace and what's valuable. But when it comes to our home lives, this is really going to be, I swear, one of my next books is (laughs) that in the United States and, and all around the world, but I'm, very familiar with the research around the United States is that we have this fantasy about the stay at home mom being the better mom. And there is actually a statistic from Pew research, very reputable research that shows that 45% of Americans actually believe they believe we collectively believe it hurts children when mothers work outside the home. It hurts. But the reality is all the research supports that it's fantastic for everybody when women and moms work outside the home and it's good for boys and it's good for girls. It's good. It's basically the best research out there shows that when moms work outside the home for pay or I I work at, I'm talking to you from my kid's bedroom because (laughs) right now they work for pay. They work for a living, right? right? That it promotes gender equality in the public sphere and the workplace and government and it promotes gender equality at home. Right. You you do a great job of talking about this in your first book, too, and sort of like the yeah. independence that it helps kids create. I think like if, if you haven't read Emma's first book, it's definitely worth reading. It's like a, a nice confidence boost for single moms knowing that, that you really get to write your own story the same way that Emma did. Well, and the, back to your question, which I think is a really good one, Audrey, that about like our daily decisions. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea, like this is just what a good mom does. A good mom just cooks all the meals from scratch. Right. Good moms, we just we just clean our own houses because that's what moms do. We just fold laundry all day long. I mean, you can fold laundry all the goddamn live long day. But think about that. I appreciate that your mom did that. I appreciate that your grandma did that. I appreciate that it only takes a minute while you're watching your shows to fold laundry. But how much time, how much headspace do you spend thinking about laundry? Right? It is a never ending thing. Yeah. Not just headspace, but like the energy suck that like, oh, I have to do laundry when I get home. (laughs) How much more are you recharging your battery when you're just watching your favorite show? (laughs) How about it? So it's, it's not just 
you know, an hour a week or whatever. I don't even, I don't know because I had not done my own laundry for years. So but back to your question, it's really about building your whole life. And so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know where I had the wherewithal to understand this, but this is part of my own single mom journey that is just detrimental. So actually somebody just asked me to write about, um, how I spent like $150,000 on childcare as a new single mom is the best money I ever spent. I became a single mom. I was like pregnant with one kid. I had a toddler I live in New York city and anybody that lives anywhere in like within a hundred miles of the city knows that childcare is like bananas expensive. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a really good deal. And so my kids went to this really nice Montessori school across the street from me is a little bit more expensive than the other places in the neighborhood, but it was a good school, but it was mainly it was convenient, Mm -hmm. right? Cross the street from my house, one block away. I can see it literally from my window right now. And I was like, that's it. Like, I had this innate sense of time versus money. And I just was like, I wanted to buckle down. I, I was like, having baby, nursing, had a toddler. Like, I was a very hands on mom, but I recognized I had to carve out solid hours of time to make some freaking money because it was going to be all on me 100%. And I couldn't do that. Like these moms, like try to like, oh, I'm not ch- pay for childcare, right? Because they buy into the stay at home mom fantasy. Right. It's not good for the kids. Like when they're itty bitty, they're nursing. Yeah, a couple years after that, they go to childcare, whatever that looks like to you, right? So, anyways, I ended up spending all this money, and then I just, I just outsourced everything. Like I had the house cleaner come in, I sent out the laundry. You know, I just got really, really efficient with my time. And I look back on them like, how did I even barely come up with that money to spend on all that childcare? So, but I did, it just, it worked out and things were not flush for a really long time, but I knew I had to build this business because if I didn't, like it would be an eternal struggle and it was such a great payoff. Like my business is thriving. I'm doing some interesting work that I feel is meaningful in the world and all these things. But I'll tell you a story. So my, you know, obviously I'm divorced and my kid's aunt, their dad's sister, she really hates me a lot from the divorce. I, whatever, that's fine. She lives out in California. I'm in New York, but she's a great aunt. I mean, she's a really good person. I have like, no hard feelings to her. It's her at all. Yeah. She really my kids and she invited the kids out a couple summers ago and they stayed for a couple weeks with her and they had a really good time. But they come back and my son had all new underwear. And I was like, what's up with that, guys? And they're like, oh, Aunt Tina took us to Target, bought Lucas all new underwear. And he was little. He's like five or six at the time. And I was like, well, why? And they're like, oh, because Lucas had skin mars stains in all of his underwear. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I didn't know because I don't do his underwear. Yeah. I said that. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> That's so funny. So actually, it wasn't just saving you money. It was saving you the horror of seeing your son's skid marks. (laughs) I know. And I'm sure that my ex-sister-in-law is just judging me up and down the block about that. But (laughs) the joke's on her because she was out, you know, $30 on underwear. That's so funny. (laughs) That's wild. So then there's also the mindset aspect of this. And I think that you kind of referenced that a little bit when, you know, you're talking about sort of what society is reinforcing to us all the time and the different the different messages that we're getting. But if somebody's going to start this 30-day challenge and they're going to start your book or they're going to join your Facebook group, what what is this mindset that they need to keep in mind? Well, it really is helping you understand where these negative mindsets come from because I, I encounter so many women educated, um, professional, maybe they had taken a break from their career to be a mom or, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe they aren't on the path that they were. It doesn't matter. They're very capable, bright women. And they're like, Oh, I'm poor because I'm a single mom. It's like, I help them in this book 
peel away the layers of that. That came from somewhere. And it's often not that hard to figure it out. It's like, who were your earliest influences? What was your earliest ideas of a single mom? Was it your mom? Was she single? Maybe it was a mom in the neighborhood where you grew up or an aunt or mm-hmm. from pop culture. I mom was single, but I always remember Angela from Who's the Boss. <laughs> you, wrote, you mentioned that in the book. I loved that. That's so funny. Yeah. If you've ever seen those episodes, they kind of hold up. I, mm-hmm. I was watching with my kids. But um, you know, because she was like in the 80s, she's like a really uh, successful advertising executive. I'm like in New York. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, what's that about? That was so weird to me, like exotic. So it, there, those ideas about single mom come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when you peel it back, I mean, it's just it's such a human experience. Like we're, right. you know, it's just like, oh, oh yeah. I just saw it on TV that like the mom from Good Times is poor. Like that doesn't mean all single moms are poor. And mm-hmm. guess what? That was 40 years ago <laughs> and he had a different background than me. And so I, you know, it's just very empowering and the changes can happen like immediately. And right. then the other part of it, and look, I have my down days too, and I do very much appreciate hearing from moms and I'm very fortunate to hear from them all the time who share with me the effect that our community and different things that I'm involved with affect Mm -hmm. them and uh, one of the very active moms in my group she's been with us a few years and she wrote this beautiful message in our Facebook group the other day and she's like, you know, she, she's got like six or seven kids. Wow. You know, and she lives in rural America, which I'm very sensitive to that. Like I live in New York where there's cool women doing all kinds of stuff. Like right. so throw out my window, but I'm from a small town in Illinois. And if you want to break free from, you know, your life and make changes, it can be very hard to find inspiration and support. Right. And it can be very easy. You know, you might especially you're going through a breakup or divorce and you turn to the people who love you the most. They could be people that just really your family, your old friends. I mean, there's nothing those old girlfriends that have known you since you were a kid, but they might be stuck in a negative place or a place where they're thinking small. Yeah. Just kind of reinforcing the, the limits in which you grew up to you again. Yes. And that's, you know, I, I'm not one for like, Oh, they're not serving you cut them out of your life. But you might have to marginalize them because you cannot grow if you're surrounded by a bunch right. of ex-wives that are bitching and moaning about men and are like really give you the stink eye when you say you want to do really big things with your career. You mm-hmm. can't grow with that. You have right. to surround yourself with other people doing really cool stuff. Yeah. And thankfully, we live in this time. I mean, look, technology is this amazing thing. And thanks to that, you can connect with people all over the world. Absolutely. And Facebook, yeah. And Facebook groups they change lives. Yeah. If you have a, a good Facebook group that's curated and managed like mine is and like yours is at worthy, mm-hmm. like you can see with your own eyes, women who have start with far fewer resources than you, they go out into the world, they're, they're buying homes, right. they're meeting new, really nice new boyfriends. Their kids are thriving. They're building businesses, getting promotions at work and they're doing it as single moms. And when that becomes your normal, then like it takes away all the excuses. Right. And it raises the standards. And it's, it's so important to surround yourself with that kind of uplifting and optimistic point of view that's going to help you understand that you can achieve so much more. I think that you do such a great job of that and at Worthy, that's something that we really try to do also. And that's why I'm so glad that we get to work so closely together, Emma. (laughs) Um, So, okay. I want to talk a little bit more about the book and a little bit about how you can sort of get to that next level of your personal finances as a kick-ass single mom. And one of the things that I love about this book is it's so easy to read because it's almost like a daily chapter. It's like you could have almost made this book like a tearaway calendar. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so cute. And it's like every day has a battle cry and a challenge and a little nugget of knowledge from you. And it's super digestible. It's like one day at a time. You can totally handle it. And I want to talk about day 20. I think you you called it the psychological attachment that people have to money. Is that how you mm-hmm. were? The, yeah, the mindsets around money. Yeah, just sort of like how we approach it. And, you know, dealing with your finances is really overwhelming. It's really scary. And it can be hard to feel like it's something you can handle. And there there just is this like crazy emotional aspect of it. I really liked that on day 20, you talk about sort of being able to be humble and acknowledge that it can be tough. So you wrote... As an adult, I'm so grateful to realize that everyone needs help. Everyone experiences every emotion, and humans are limited and fallible. It's those limitations that drive us to seek help from others. So what I really love about your point of view here is that you get it. You are a single mom. You've been through that struggle. And being able to identify your own personal downfalls when it comes to money or really anything else, allows you to get the help that you need. And I think that's really what your book is for. Yeah, it is. And I think, well, as women, I think there's just this whole idea like that we should do it all. And there's this special thing with single moms like, oh, well, you made some bad life decisions, so you figure it out, bitch. Like, oh, oh you, you picked the wrong guy or you got yourself pregnant outside of, like, you know, perfect marriage. I know that you're, like, you're like listing things that are terrible things that people say, but I can't even hear you say it. <laughs> it's just so bad. I'm so sick of that kind of stigma. It's terrible. Well, and you know what? Look, I got pregnant when my husband just got out of the hospital for a brain injury. Right. Was that good family planning? No, it was horrible. And like so many people in my life, like I'm not naming any names that I'm related to, like <laughs> just the snidest, rudest, insensitive things. And of course those affect you. I mean, to this day, like, I mean, this is so many years ago at this point, I'm like, my blood pressure is still rising when I'm talking to you, Audrey. <laughs> it's just like, it's so human and, and it affects us. But so like I just heard like the littlest quote. It might have been maybe it was even a Mr. Rogers quote. And it's like things are not as bad when you get them outside as when you keep them inside. Yeah, right? like, it's yeah, like such yeah, a simple yeah. thing to teach our children and but to teach each other. It's like mm-hmm. just you keep those little things in you and stewing and they become so huge. Yeah. And then you share them with somebody that you trust and who's like a good normal person and their reaction just can be like Oh, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, really totally. They, that, that fear, like it, it just, it loses all its power once it's out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to stay inside you. And yeah. that's asking for help. And I think especially like these challenges, I mean, listen, it's like day by day and nothing in this book is like insane, like put your house on the market and stop eating. Like it's not, you know, it's <laughs> not like totally out of reach, but like it's not nothing. It's not like today, don't get coffee. It's like real stuff, right? <laughs> Well, it's also like, but it's also, it's really freeing. I feel like I'm freeing women. I would like to think that I can free women from these larger cultural norms. Like this Mm -hmm. idea that like a house, if you talk to financial experts, whether they're divorce attorneys or financial planners or real estate agents, and they will tell you like one of the big times that people buy and sell houses when they're going through a family change, when they're going through a breakup. And so that's normal, but they're like, yeah, the biggest mistake that women make when it comes to divorces is around their house. They usually try to keep a house they can't afford. 
And it's like this idea that it goes back to this whole stay at home mom thing. It's like, I get it. Like I have a nice apartment. I, I love homes. I love old homes. I love fixing up a house. I love having guests over all these things. I think tend to be very feminine. They're mm-hmm. very human. It's right. connected to our motherhood and nurturing and caring for people. And like what you imagined you would be like as a little girl too. Yes. It's, and it's, and what we saw, we saw our mothers and our grandmothers, Holding holiday family dinners. And, and like every movie, every laundry detergent commercial and peanut butter <laughs> commercial, like it's everywhere. It is. And it's not to say it's all stupid. I'm not dismissing it at all. I enjoy those things very much. Mm-hmm. But you want to know what I enjoy more? An affordable mortgage payment. Yes. <laughs> because again, it comes back to your energy. It comes back right. to your headspace. Because if you're spending every day stressing out about how you're going to keep this lovely home and that school district, right? Like, well, how is that serving your kids? Right. Actually, you know, I've got day 19 where you talk about these five common investing mistakes that women make. So I think we should take a quick break. And when we come back, let's dive into them. And we're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about the house. We're going to talk about these five common mistakes that women are making with their investments. So we will be right back with Emma. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. Okay, we are back with Emma. And Emma, we were just starting to talk about the ways that, you know, society is reinforcing all of these different stereotypes. And we have so much to live up to when we think about what it means to be a good mother and a good woman with your house and making a home and what all of that means. So one of the things that I think this is day 19, you really, really break things down. And I think this is really practical advice. And it's a good teaser for people to go buy the book and get every single day of this. But I want to talk about the five common investing mistakes. So in case you don't know them off the top of your head, I'm going to go through them. (laughs) So let's start with number one. Number one is that money is better spent on our kids than it is on us. Wrong. <laughs> so we actually right. So we've got a great article about this on our blog that Lori Itkin wrote, and it's basically like, does it make more sense to invest in your kid's college fund or your retirement? So why don't you give us the answer? That's like the number one mistake, and the mm-hmm. answer is your retirement, hands down. And there's a really great study it's cited in the book Alliance, and they were they surveyed families overall, and a little bit more affluent families, like making at least I think seventy or average seventy thousand dollars. A year and overall parents, that was a big mistake that families made overall. They over uh, prioritize investing for their kids' college education to over their own retirement. But single moms made that mistake like way, way more often. And they didn't get into the why, but my takeaway is it's a lot of guilt, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, my poor children in a broken home, which is like my, my, my least favorite saying is a broken home. And we, I have to help them and pay them back for their misery by putting their money in. Well, what you're really doing is putting yourself in jeopardy, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no Pell Grants or student loans for retirement. There right. are a million ways that our kids can go to college. There's really only one way to retire, and that is to have enough money in the bank. 
you're also putting a lot of burden on your children. Like right. the sacrificial mother is so out of date. It's like so uncool. <laughs> like we're so over it. Like the sacrificial mother, like I'm sacrificing for you. So you're going to owe me. Right. I'm going to be dependent on you. You're going to owe me. Well, the kid's not signing up for that deal. They didn't agree to that. They're not signing on any dotted line. <laughs> so who are you to tell them what the deal is? And the other thing is, it's just creating stress. Like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not feeling good about this decision. Like, deep down, you're very stressed out about it. You're going to be stressed out about it for decades. And it's not teaching your kids good financial lessons. Like, that's yeah. our job is good financial planning and priorities and all these good lessons. So I'm here to free you from that nonsense. Put yourself first. Use it as a really great opportunity to teach your kids about investing and saving. Right. Get really practical about financial aid and paying for college. Your kids don't have to go to the best school because there's probably not a huge ROI on that, but that's, you know, a right. family wife decision. And there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, you know, it's modeling smart financial behavior for your kids, which is just about as valuable as a college education in a lot of ways. Mm. And, you know, we did a, an episode, I'm, I'm mentioning Gloria can again, because she's, you know, she's like our financial guru that we work with. And so we did it, we did an episode about long term financial planning after divorce. And, you know, it is not a nothing project. It's a lot harder to jump into that than it is to to pay tuition and and to see, you know, the beginning and end of that situation. And there's a lot more unknowns. But again, you are kick-ass and you can handle it. So handle it. It's the smarter choice. So the mm-hmm. second one, the second common investing mistake, and I think this is the most obvious one, believing a man is a financial plan. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of women will roll their eyes when I say that, but there's lots of more subtle messages or mm-hmm. ideas around that. You know, it's like, well, you know, but he's not, he's not quite the right guy, but, you know, I'm really kind of broke this month and he, he's really into it. So we'll move in and save some bills. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, you already <laughs> did that. You did yeah. that. How'd that yeah. work out for you? That right. wasn't great. Right. Or, or it's getting into like a really dependent, codependent relationship with your parents, your dad. Right. I get it. You go through a really rough time. Your family helps you out. Maybe they give you money, they a place to live, give you a loan. You know, in some family cultures, that's like very acceptable, lovely way that you can support each other. But there is no such thing as a free lunch and money always comes with drinks attached. Right. And there is just a limit on that. And if we are teaching our daughters that they can be anything, we want them to be independent, have their own money. You have to do that too, because there is a price for taking that money or that free rent month after month. Right. And not just that. I mean, you you also talk about alimony and child support and just this idea that if you are dependent on somebody else, you can't always have your own back. You can't always know that you're going to be able to handle it if you're relying on somebody else. And that that's one of the other ways that you can be independent and be confident and kick ass because you're handling it. Well, it's that, but it's also, I mean, there is no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, there is a price to pay to take a man's money. And, you know, I get it. All you do need to do is wander your butt down to family court and file, and then you get your child support. Like, you you know, you'll be ordered it. But that doesn't mean it's free money. He's paying it. Maybe it means that he, it creates a lot of conflict between separated mm-hmm. couples, right? And when there's conflict, the men are more likely to check out. How is that serving your right. kids? And I get you can 
moralize about all the live long day about how he shouldn't and how this and how you should, 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 and entitled, entitled, titled. But the, the, what's the practical reality of it is, is that when women are financially dependent on men and there's this, you know, third party, like a court system intermediate, women tend to under earn. And then men are inspired to under earn because the more they earn, the more they right. pay. And all of a sudden everybody is obsessed with their ex. How much energy are you spending to try to get more money out oh, of him? Girl. <laughs> right. And then all the, it's all negative and it's like limiting. So what if you're just like, screw it. I'm not taking your money. I'm an adult. I'm going to make my own right. money. And then decide the limit. And all of a sudden that like $600 a month that you thought he should pay you, you're making $6,000 yes. extra a month. And it's a joke. Yeah. Like it's just, you're done. You're done with him. You're moving on. And if there's a check coming back and forth every month, then you're not done. You're connected. Right. So this is, again, you know, it's a 30 day challenge and it sort of ends with you saying that like these kinds of changes don't happen overnight. So if you are somebody who's relying on that check, that's okay. But there are steps to take. There are places to go. And that brings us to number three of the common investing mistakes, which is failing to diversify. Right. Well, and that's so intimidating to women because of diversification, we get into the nitty gritty of investing in the market. And we're just talking about investing quickly. Don't try to pick stocks. Just go for a fund. If you're new to investing and I have blog posts, it's all in there. It can help you out. I don't pick stocks. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. Like there are quant guys on Wall Street that make like millions of dollars, these nerdy <laughs> guys. They're in a windowless basement right. that are paid millions of dollars a year. They have no social skills, millions of dollars a year to, how to figure out how to work the stock market. My money is on them. I pay them fees because I am not a nerdy guy, quant guy in the basement of a Wall Street firm. I'm like yelling at the world about gender <laughs> equality. That's my job. So you, it's just like I outsource my kids' shitty underwear. I'm going to outsource my investment. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. <laughs> I think that you're like the funniest person ever. And and actually in this section of the book, you wrote, you are not Ma Ingalls on the prairie where everything is do it yourself. So hire somebody like the same way, the laundry, hire somebody to diversify your portfolio. And so this is like, we kind of combined three and four, which is like, don't have your money all in one spot. Like just suck it up and pay somebody to help you put it in, a, in different places because you don't need to figure it all out on your own. And then number five kind of comes back to this idea of failing to diversify. And that's like your home is your retirement. And we were kind of talking about this before. So talk a little bit more about, you know, how you should view your, your house and how it's part of your portfolio. Right. Well, so the diversification, yeah, outsource your financial planning and investments, but also your income. And I'm not the first one that's telling you, you've heard this before, like, you know, have different streams of income or different ways because you lose your job. The market tanks for your primary skill set. You have a backup mm -hmm. plan. And then it's also just more money coming in, which is awesome. But then your house, again, it's this female thing. They're like, oh, well, oh, I don't have anything in the stock market or I don't have anything in cash savings, but my house is worth a lot. Well, guess what? You have to listen somewhere. Yeah. So it can work out for people, but then we're back to not diversifying mm -hmm. because let's think about this. If you have a well-diversified stock portfolio, your money is diversified in like thousands of different assets. Some of it's in the U.S., some of it's abroad, some of it's in the developing world, it's in the tech sector and agriculture sector, manufacturing. It's so diversified. So when one of those elements is down, another one is not going to be down mm -hmm. as much. Like you're protected. Right. You're protected. If you have all of your assets in one house or one townhouse or one condo in one zip code, 
you are zero diversified. Right. Right. Zero. Even if you have a rental property in the same town, you are still a zero diversified because like, let's say a hurricane hits your town. That whole town is screwed for 10 mm-hmm. years. If it's the 10 years you want to retire, you've got nothing, yeah. nothing. And then you want to rent. Well, rentals are way up in that town because everyone's house is literally underwater, mm-hmm. like physically under a flood of water. So you're double screwed. So it is like, I get it. I get you understand real estate. That's what women say. Like, oh, but I understand it. I get the housing market. I don't understand the stock market. Well, I get that mm-hmm. too. I could. I feel the same way. But that's why I pay the nerds in the basement. Yes, trust the nerds, ladies. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I think that these are like five really helpful tips. Like, I mean, finance always makes me feel overwhelmed. And these were just like five tips that I was like, okay, like I got this. This is digestible. This is easy. This is something that you can sort of implement. And I think they're really helpful. And I think day 19 is a really good example of the kinds of tips that women are going to get from this book. I mentioned that you have a battle cry and a challenge for every day. And I love these battle cries. It's sort of like the inspirational quotes that people might recognize from our Instagram page, but they're just so much more (laughs) kick-ass. So I want to know what your favorite battle cry from the book is. Oh, it's, um, I love money. Yes. Why don't you say a little bit about what these battle cries are? They're just something I want people to say out loud because it's just another way of experiencing information. Like, you know, we're doing a podcast. That's one way it's going in your earbuds, Mm -hmm. right? And another way is to read, read on a screen, read in a paper book, uh, talk about it. You know, we should, I should do videos. They're just different ways of consuming information. But when you are physically saying something out loud, it is very powerful. That's physically going through your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love money. Like women that have gone through this exercise, like it's it's challenging, but it's powerful because we're taught not to love money. It's very unladylike. Right. It's very unladylike to say, I love money. I want more of it. We're told we're greedy, that we prioritize superficial materialistic things. You know, we have our priorities all screwed up. No, like I want lots of money, but I also want lots of joy and I want lots of love and I want lots of passion. Like you have it all. You can have all of that. And so it's just owning it in a meaningful way. Well, you know, I know we only have a short window of your time because time is money and Emma's time really costs like a Bentley. So we're going to have to let her go soon. But before we do, I really want to call back to what you were saying, you know, and this is something that's in the book. You talk about visualize your early exposure to a single mom and what it means to be a single mom and, and really come into awareness of your subconscious understanding of what a single mom is. And I want to say that I think that you are really, really changing what a single mom is just by having kick-ass single mom out there. And now you've got this follow-up book and it's so good. And all of the women that you are inspiring and giving the tools to come into their own kick-ass single motherhood, it's just an amazing thing. So I had to include that. And then I also, (laughs) I have a last question for you. So You talk about taking the opportunity to recognize how much abundance you have in your life. Even if you're at a moment of financial stress, you feel like you're missing things, you're in debt, whatever it is, just by the fact that you're listening to a podcast or you're reading a blog, it means that you have abundance in your life. You've got a phone, you've got a computer, whatever it is, right? So you talk about making it a daily practice to be grateful for all of the things that you have. And I want you to tell us about 
how you came into this practice, sort of where this awareness came from. And then I want you to tell us what you're grateful for today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I talk about this in my book and, you know, this was when I was like really in the thick of like the worst time Mm -hmm. of my life. And, you know, going through divorce, my husband had an accident, babies, and it was just like, I, and I had so much to do, like, so like, you know, taking care of the kids and running a business, running a home. So I had heard somewhere about like a gratitude practice and these two women, like every morning they would just email each other a gratitude, like one thing they were grateful for. She's really an acquaintance at the time. We weren't even close mm-hmm. and she's, she's a single woman and she's going through her own mess of a life with her parents and caring for her mom who had Alzheimer's. It was much, much more elaborate than that. Very, very intense, deep time for her. And I just said, Hey, does this connect with you? Would you like to try this with me? And she was all for but it, it felt so amazing to do this every day we would do it and we wouldn't just share one because it felt so good. We'd share like just whatever was going on in our minds. And what it did, I learned from personal experience was it completely recalibrated how I thought all day long. Yeah. Because all of a sudden I was like, well, I have to email Jen in the morning. Like I have to come up with one thing, but next thing I knew I would come up with like 30 things. Wow. Because it it just became this organic exercise. Right. And we were both really in it. We became very close during that time. And it just really changed my whole life. And it kept me above water. It really did. And so I just want to share that with people because it could, you know, your life is changing and you're probably broker. You're probably more stressed out. You're probably more overwhelmed than you were before. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you still don't have a heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can sound very Pollyannish and trite to just focus on what, I mean, we all say that all I don't the think time. anyone would call you trite, Emma. <laughs> Not me. The them. The people that say that shit all the time. <laughs> but I, I just really think, like, one of my exercises is, like, even when you're feeling broke, like, put an automatic donation, like mm-hmm. your favorite charity, your favorite NPR, yeah. <laughs> right? Because every month you will see in your statements, because you're now looking at your statements every month, like I did have enough to donate $15 every yeah. month. And you get that thank you email. Yep. Yeah, you get the email. But it's also just reminding yourself, you're like, oh, I'm not so broke. I do have an abundance. I do have mm-hmm. overflow that I can give back. Mm-hmm. And it changes things. It really changes things. Well, I think that you are really changing things and you're really giving so many women the tools to change things for themselves. And I'm just so grateful that that narrative gets to be a part of what we're doing at Worthy and on another episode of our podcast. And you know that you are always welcome back. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, I am grateful for you, Audrey. I really am. You are doing such a good job. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. Well, you know, you're a huge influence on the things that we do. So we hope to make you proud. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Emma for joining us and to all of you for listening. We wanted to remind you guys to join our Facebook group, Worthy Women in Divorce. We are so blown away by the conversations going on in this group, and we want to make sure you're a part of what's shaping the topics that we're featuring on this podcast. It's a great way to interact with our blog and learn more about our platform, so we hope to see you there soon. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. 
When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more.